It's a Wednesday. The Cardinals will wrap up their series and their homestand today against the Washington Nationals. And as we do every Wednesday on Scoops with DannyMac.com, we get the chance to visit with Brian Walton. And Brian is brought to you thanks to the good folks at Blue Tail Medical Group. At Blue Tail Medical Group, make sure before you have surgery, you go to them to find out if you can avoid surgery. There is doctors from all over the world, all over the country, finding out how they do it. So find out more for you at BlueTailMedicalGroup.com. Hey, Brian, good morning to you. How are things going? Good morning, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here on Wednesday, as always. Always is. Uh, let's start with opening day. I, I want to go back. It's It's been now almost a week. It was awesome to have fans back in the stands. It was great to see the Red Jackets. Uh, as we do, we always have a weekend review, so to speak. So what were your thoughts on opening day as you saw that unfold? I think it was just tremendous to see Adam Wainwright take the mound. You know, we never know for sure if this year is going to be his last or not. But for him to, again, get the honor to make that start in front of the home crowd in, uh, you know, in age 39 is just, was just a, a wonderful thing. And, and then, you know, once the game got to its crucial point, the, you know, the newest acquisition, Nolan Arenado, you know, hitting the big home run to – power of the Cardinals to victory. I, I just, that was just a combination for me that, that was really about everything it is to, you know, to, to follow the Cardinals, to be a Cardinal fan. And, and as you notice, yes, the procession and the, the Clydesdales and the, you know, and the, and the motorcades and the red jackets, that's all important. But the game itself also, you know, had significant meaning. Yeah. And you think about maybe the perspective of someone that has never experienced an opening day. And I'm talking about a player's perspective and in particular, Nolan Arenado. And they, and we didn't even mention the return of Colton Wong, who is a good player, not a great player, but a good one, how emotional it was for him. And then on Saturday, they, they have Ozzy there to be honored. Ted Simmons was there. We've seen Scott Rowland, Jimmy Edmonds, Whitey Herzog. Um, it, it's just got to, it's got to catch you, your attention, I would think, if you're a guy like Nolan Arenado and what, what it's like to be here in St. Louis. I mean, how cool was it to have Scott Rowland throw the first pitch to Arenado? I mean, that was just such a, whoever came up with that idea, it was just, it was just brilliant. And, you know, Scott, Scott Rowland obviously being the, the, the high watermark for third baseman for, for, for the St. Louis Cardinals. And, you know, the, what Arnado's already accomplished so far, if he continues on his track, you know, he'll be right there with Scott Rowland wearing a red jacket in 15 years from now. Yeah, thecardinalnation.com is a great place not only for what's happening with the major leagues but the minor leagues. Uh, every single day there is coverage on your website. What is going on with the minor leagues? A lot of people are curious about a Nolan Gorman, let's say, or some of the others. What have you heard about how they're handling uh, trying to get those guys ready for the regular season? Well, as, as listeners probably already know, but we'll just recap to make sure that everybody's on the same page, a group of about two dozen minor leaguers are in Sauge, Illinois, as part of the alternate camp. And that includes some of the the close players closest to major league. So relievers that might be called on quickly, like a junior Fernandez and a Cody Whitley, uh, Seth Ellis, those kind of guys, you know, that you want to have on tap if you need them. Um, and then, but then also some of the young prospect pitchers that the Cardinals hope will move along this year, such that they might be able to, uh, uh, contribute to the major league team later in the year. And there I'm talking about guys like Zach Thompson and Matthew Libertor who are at that alternate camp as well. And those players will make up the core of what will be the Memphis roster uh, when alternate camp wraps up at the end of this month and the minor league season starts on May 4th. Then in addition, the large number, and here I'm talking about over 100, I think the number is 112, players have reported to Jupiter just this week 
and their full their first full camp workout will be on Thursday, and that is the regular minor league spring training camp. And those players, a handful of those players, will join the group to make up the Memphis roster, but the majority of them are competing for spots at the three full season teams, which will also start on May 4th. And here I'm talking about Double A Springfield, High A Peoria, and Low A Palm Beach. And so those staffs of those teams, as well as the Complex League team, which is the um, what was the Gulf Coast League team, those coaches are all there, um, you know, running that that minor league spring training camp. And they'll have a handful, about a week or 10 days' worth of games, either against themselves in camp environment or against uh, the nearby Marlins as they get ready, get these players ready for the minor league season. And then the ones that don't make the rosters of Springfield, um, Palm Beach, and, and Peoria will remain behind, and they'll be the players that will make up this complex league Cardinals. That it, it's like the Gulf Coast League of the past, but less um, – uh, less structured than, than than the Gulf Coast League was before. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like to be a coach, a manager, certainly a player in the minor leagues. They have got to be chomping at the bit, especially the lower end guys that are, you know, basically they've been out of games for over a year. It, it's got to be an anxious time in the minor leagues. Yeah, it's got to be an exciting time, I would think. I, I hope sure. to <laughs> get to the field myself where I can talk to them. But, you know, most of these coaches like the players were, were, you know, basically furloughed last year, and they didn't have an opportunity probably for some of them the first time for, you know, several decades not being able to be out and teach and, you know, work with the young players. And so, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, the impact on the players, and, of course, that's the greatest impact. But I'm, I'm sure these, the, the members of the Cardinals staff, sorry, time of pitching, kidding, hitting coach, athletic trainers, strength and conditioning coach, I mean, it, you know, it really touched everyone. And so, um, you know, and then the fact that the Cardinals cut two levels of their minor league system, so some very good coaches left. You know, that's another whole. You know, some of the familiar faces that you used to see for years, like Johnny Rodriguez and and Joe Cruzel and the like. You know, are no longer uh, you know employed by the Cardinals, and so that you know that's a change as well. We're not far away from the opening of of the minor league season. What do you think it's going to be like for those towns that uh, saw minor league baseball cut back? It's not going to be easy, is it? No, and the Major League Baseball has created some some draft, some minor leagues for uh, college players, basically uh, informal leagues, not professionals. That that the, so Johnson City will have a group of players in in a league that that are um, young players, uh, primarily freshmen, sophomores, and then State College will be part of a a league that will have uh, draft eligible seniors. So they'll still have baseball in those communities, but it won't be the same as it as it was before for sure. And even for the teams that are surviving, the 120 teams that are still remaining in minor league baseball, number one, there's a shortened season. Instead of 144-ish games, it's going to be 120 games because they don't start until May and they'll run into mid-September. But also, the way the minor league schedule has been set up this year, it's very different from the past. All the minor leagues will, all the minor leaguers basically will have every Monday off and they'll play the other six days of the week against a single opponent in a single city. So Memphis will be home, say, for example, an entire week playing one, playing Nashville, for example, and they'll play Nashville six straight days. And so it's, it's just a very – and, it's, of course, this is because of the COVID world we live in, and, you know, to minimize the amount of travel and to minimize the amount of disruption. But that could also have an effect on attendance if, you know, fans don't necessarily want to see – um, you know, Nashville twice, where normally they might have had two different series where Nashville and Iowa might have come in, for example. So, you know, I think that could have an impact on fan interest. But the biggest thing, of course, is whether 
people will be how many people will be comfortable you know coming out to the ballpark in this socially distanced you know world that we're we're in right now. No doubt. Um, what are you hearing about minor leaguers getting the vaccine? Uh, you know, my understanding was that's why they pushed back the season to allow these uh, young men and and the players and the the personnel to get the vaccination if they wanted. Is that is that right? Is in terms of why they did this? Well, there's two reasons. That's one, certainly. The other reason was that they wanted to minimize the number of individuals who were in the complex around the major leaguers in spring training. So normally the minor league spring training would occur the same time as major league spring training, and they would just be using different clubhouses and different fields in the Jupiter complex. So instead what they did was they said, we're going to delay, not have the minor leaguers come in until the, the St. Louis club and the alternate campers have left, and that allows them to more socially distance the players. They can put them, spread them across three clubhouses and have them, their, even their lockers, be socially distant from each other. And so it's a, you know, it's a whole rec, you know, recognition of that they're trying to keep the players healthy until they can be vaccinated. To your question about vaccinations, we know the Major League Club has, have been vaccinated, the alternate site staff and players have been vaccinated, and the goal of the Cardinals is to secure enough vaccine in Florida that they can inoculate the 112 minor leaguers that are down there as well as the staff so that when the players and teams depart at the end of the month to start the minor league season, everybody will be ready to go. As far as I know, that hasn't been accomplished yet, but John Moselock, who has you know, really run the whole Cardinals virus reaction program from the very beginning, told me that that was going to be his top priority once the major leaguers and the alternate campers were vaccinated, his top priority, which will be to you know, secure enough vaccine for all the minor leaguers. But until that point, camp is closed. So not only can media like myself not attend, but also scouts from other organizations cannot attend. Basically, camp is closed except to Cardinal staffs. And again, this is something that I don't like, I don't enjoy, but the reality is I get why the organization is doing it because they want to keep everybody safe. There's a couple of guys that we're going to see uh, sooner rather than later, one of them being Cody Whitley. Uh, you don't know about Oviedo, if he's going to go into the bullpen or if he's going to be a, uh, a long guy. There was some news on that last night. So, you know, I, I want to go into what you saw specifically in the start <clears throat> with Johan Oviedo. This guy looks sensational. Uh, what do you think his long-term future is with the club? Oh, I think, I think Johan Oviedo is a guy that is going to be uh, a, a long-term ro- uh, rotation member. Now he's going to be a front of the rotation guy, but he's going to be a, you know in the three, four, five um, group. And you remember last year he came up and made five good spot starts, not having having minimal Double A experience and no Triple A experience whatsoever. So he's one of these guys that got pushed to the major leagues before he was really ready on a traditional schedule. But he showed he was you know capable of handling it. And the biggest change that he's made this year. He said that having his changeup and to be able to count on that really helped him out. But last year, you know, when he came up, he felt like his fastball and his slider were his main offerings, and he was going to stick with those because he had confidence in them. But this winter, he worked on not only his changeup but his curveball as well, so that when he came to camp this year, he was truly a four-pitch pitcher. And you know, with his, um, you know, with his motion the way that it is, he does a very good job of disguising or, or having a consistent motion no matter what pitch he throws and that that obviously you know makes his bread and butter fastball and slider more effective when he can throw that change up as well yeah. so you know Johan Oviedo is growing as a pitcher and I think I don't think there's much doubt that he's a guy that's going to be in the rotation you know probably this year sooner than later given the struggles of Daniel Ponce de Leon and and John Gant while you know his numbers look okay 
you know, we've seen, you know, the high number of base runners and the tightrope that he seems to walk every time. And I just think Oviedo is going to be a better choice for the rotation than either one of those guys. And we'll wrap and, it up. Uh, again, with the assumption that KK Kim is going to be back very, very soon. Absolutely. We'll wrap it up with this. Uh, what's happening right now at thecardinalnation.com? Well, we've got an article up on the details of minor league camp. I mentioned 112 players are invited, and, you know, you can see the list anywhere. But the, the reality is there's a lot of detail behind that in terms of not only the players that are there, but the players that aren't there. And there's a group of 14 players that one would have expected to be in camp that aren't. There's a number of international signees who are going straight to the camp in, the, um, in Jupiter without having played overseas. And then a group of eight players who had been in the Dominican Summer League who have now earned a promotion. So we've got up a lot of detail about these players that uh, are standing out for different reasons among the, the folks in camp as well as the ones not there. And then we'll also have the details, even though folks won't be able to attend the games, of the games that uh, they will be playing as part of minor league spring training camp, the dates, uh, all the coaches down there, and sort of the, a broad level of details of you know, what the players are doing while they're preparing for the uh, minor league season. Great stuff as always, Brian. We appreciate it. We'll catch up next Wednesday. Absolutely. And in the meantime, make sure you stop by and pick up uh, a copy of the Cardinal Nation Prospect Guide. We've still got them on sale, both in the PDF and book version. You can read about all these prospects and more. Got it. That is Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. And as always, we're brought to you by Blue Tail Medical Group.